You're listening to a podcast from City Tribe Media. We're an urban tribe that helps people who feel far from God to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. For more fresh content, check City Tribe on YouTube, Instagram, or Facebook. Enjoy the message and welcome to the tribe. Now here's Lee Wong. Well, it's so great to see you, tribe, and hello to everyone joining us digitally and listening via podcast. My name is Lee, and before we get into our conversation today, I want to do a brief addendum to what our pastor, Doug, just shared. So two more brief announcements. First of all, for those of you who call City Tribe home, let me just remind you to sow a seed and invest here. You know we are a not-for-profit faith community that relies on your generosity in order to offer the classes and the programs and the gatherings like we're offering right now digitally so that we can give them free and make sure the message of Jesus is known and his love for all people is known to folks as a gift. And so before you close your web browser, before you guys leave the Cameo Theater, be sure to sow a seed, invest in the kingdom movement in one of these ways, whether by mail or via text or giving in person at the giving stations and always online at citytribe.church slash tithe. We thank you guys in advance for your generosity and for sowing a seed in the kingdom movement. And secondly, if at any point during the week or even after our conversation today, you need to connect with somebody and you want somebody to pray with you, to pray for you, visit citytribe.church slash prayer, our prayer team is ready and available to connect with you and to help you out. Now, today we continue in our ongoing conversation as we further explore prayer. We are in part four of a series, and we've delved further into our understanding of prayer this year since the start of 2021 for a number of reasons, because for some of us, we might see prayer as this rote routine, right? We merely go through some mundane motions. And for other folks, prayer might just seem really ineffective. And we might wonder, are our words ever even heard? Are we just ghosted by God? And for other folks, based on how we were raised and the folks that we encountered hearing how they prayed, well, that might be really off-putting for some of us. We might be turned off by it and be like, man, that is super weird. I don't want to know anything about prayer. But when we study the scriptures and we see how God revealed in human form, Jesus prayed and how he viewed prayer, we learned that Jesus was actually like really enthusiastic about prayer. And he was so enthusiastic about prayer that he lived expectantly because he knew that praying the way that he taught and demonstrated, it effectively opened the floodgates of heaven and God our father revealed to him truths and affirmations and his heart. For him, And so in this series that we have called Revealed, we together requested what Jesus's disciple requested of him when they saw his very different prayer life and his very effective prayer life. We together requested, Lord or Jesus, you teach us to pray. We want to learn from you. So our prayer life resembles that same transformative effectiveness. And so In this series specifically, we have focused mainly on why Jesus was so enthusiastic about prayer and why he wanted you and why he wanted me to value it in the way that he did. And today is no different. We're going to continue to look at yet another reason why Jesus valued prayer and why we should not neglect praying in the way that he taught and demonstrated. And it is significant. Now, if you plan to follow along in the scriptures with us, we're going to hunker down for the majority of our time in Luke's account about Jesus, the 22nd section, Luke chapter 22, if you want to highlight and underline and take notes. And before we begin, let's just reset one more time and let's redeclare what Pastor Doug led us through in just a few moments ago. So would you join me in asking God by his spirit to speak to us? Heavenly Father, we again declare that we are here expectant to learn from you, reveal to us what in the scriptures you want us to know that might help us better know who you are. Lord, by your spirit, would you calm our hearts and our minds? Would you help center us, help us focus to hear what you might have to say? We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. So why else did Jesus value prayer 
so much. Like, what did Jesus teach that should motivate you and that should motivate me to never neglect what he demonstrated and pray like he did? Well, the answer to those questions, it requires that we understand a meaning of the word save. Now, if you've been around the church world or religious people for some time, chances are you have heard that word save used. And most likely among religious people, you've heard it used in this way. Jesus, because of his sacrifice, sacrificing his life, dying on the cross to pay the penalty or for my sins, he has rescued me from eternal damnation in hell. And so now my soul is going to heaven when I die. And that is, in fact, a way that the word save is used in the scriptures. But for our conversation today, that is not how we're going to use the word save. In fact, there are instances in the scriptures where the word save also means help people experience life in its fullest possible quality here and now on earth. So it's not just eternity. All right, so let's be clear about that. When I say save today, we're not talking about whether or not you're going to heaven or if you're going to hell. Today, save is specifically whether or not you're experiencing life as Jesus intended, a life of passion, a life of peace, a life of power where you make an impact on this earth in this life. Understood? All right. Now, this is Actually, one of the ways that Jesus, God himself, when he walked this earth, used that word save. So one day, Jesus was teaching his disciples and he taught you and me that the way that we might be saved from destroying our quality of life on this earth, in this world that God intends for us to experience. He said, in order for us to preserve our best possible life that he designed for us, we have to imitate how he Lived. He essentially said, you must model your life according to what I, Jesus, have, has taught or what I have interpreted, the way that I've interpreted the scriptures and what I've demonstrated in order for you to experience life in its fullest possible quality. And so here's how Jesus actually said that you and I save our passion and we save our peace from being lost. He said, follow who? Me. Follow Jesus, for whoever loses his life because of me, will experience its fullness here on earth. He will save it. Let's make sure we're clear about what Jesus didn't say. All right, Jesus didn't say, hey, follow very rigidly the rules that have been recorded for you in the Old Testament if you want to save your quality of life. And Jesus didn't say to save your life, you need to serve as the sin police going about judging how other people live out their lives and their lifestyle choices. And neither did Jesus say, hey, you need to follow the example of the preachers and your pastors. No, no, no. According to God himself, Jesus. You and I, we save our quality of life that he intends for us on this earth when we live how he lived. I mean, this is why I said to you guys earlier in this series that I subscribe to what is known as a Jesus-centered theology where everything that I believe and everything that I teach and communicate to you guys, it all first stems with Jesus. He said, follow me. And this is why I always encourage you guys to study the accounts about Jesus. You've got to read and cycle through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, because how are you going to follow Jesus? How are you going to live like he lived if you don't even know how he lived? And so when we get a familiarity with Jesus, when we study the Gospels, you will see that in order to imitate Jesus, you and I, we must deliberately deny our preferences, de deny our feelings that we might feel, and we must instead purposefully prioritize other people's well-being over our own, the way that he demonstrated meaning. When you and I decide to follow Jesus, his mission becomes our mission. As followers of Jesus, your mission in life and my mission in life is to do exactly what Jesus came to do when he visited earth. We are to, check this out, seek and save the lost. Your mission and my mission on this earth, in this life, is to seek and save 
the lost. It might look a little differently in how it's expressed, but we all have to seek and save the lost. And so this part requires a little participation. And all right, I need you guys to engage with me here. So y'all say it to yourselves. Are you watching digitally? I want you to type it in the chat. I want you to say, my mission is to seek and save the lost. My mission is to seek and save the lost. Y'all say that to yourselves. Y'all type it in the chat. Now, according to Jesus, when we follow his mission to give our lives in service of others, when we seek to save others' passion and peace on this earth in this life, well, that in effect will save our passion and our peace. And so serve others like Jesus served and we'll save our quality of life. Sounds pretty simple, right? Well, here's the reality. And I know you guys know this reality. As someone who gets, to, gets paid to do this for a living, as somebody who gets paid to seek and save the lost, I will be 100% honest with you. It is ridiculously hard to do. Right? I miserably fail at it often. I most especially fail at it at home with my own family. And one of the reasons it's so hard for me to, and probably for you, to follow Jesus is because of our human condition. Right? We all have a natural tendency to hoard toilet paper when we think there's going to be a shortage, right? We have a tendency to self-preserve and to self-protect. That is, we have a tendency to save ourselves, look out for number one. And what makes this tendency exceptionally harder to resist is that God, and by proxy, you and I, we have spiritual adversaries. Satan is at work against us. And so Satan and his army of angelic beings that follow him, Satan and his spiritual army, they don't want your soul saved from eternal destruction for eternal peace in God's presence. He wants our lives in the here and now to remain destined for destruction. He wants us to remain lost. And so he and his spiritual army, they will leverage that natural tendency that I have, that we all have to entice you and to entice me to depart from following Jesus in order that Instead of seeking and saving others, we would serve ourselves. Heck, Satan even attempted to entice Jesus to serve himself. Now, we don't have the time to unpack all that whole exchange entailed, but if you read through Luke's account, the fourth section, Luke chapter four, here's what you'd learn. You would learn that Satan leveraged Jesus's humanity, the very hunger and the fatigue that he felt to entice Jesus. Hey, why don't you use this power that you have to generate some food and to serve yourself. Satan also enticed Jesus to serve himself. Like, hey, don't you see all of these worldly riches that I can offer you? Don't you want this global influence, Jesus, that I can give you? And Satan even manipulated the scriptures to entice Jesus. Hey, why don't you prove that your heavenly father actually loves you? Now, my point is this, that if Satan enticed God himself, Jesus, to depart from his mission to seek and save the lost so that he would instead save and serve himself, well, come on, we better be darn sure that Satan and his spiritual army will leverage every situation in our natural tendency to get us to serve ourselves so that our passion and our peace and our promise for a better future is lost. In fact, they even successfully enticed Jesus's close friend, Peter, away from following Jesus for a short time. And Peter was afraid that having been associated with Jesus, well, he would be executed like Jesus. Peter thus self-preserved. And instead of denying himself deliberately, he ended up denying he ever even knew Jesus. And the result of that, man, he was despondent. He was incredibly embarrassed. He felt like a huge failure. And Peter's eyes were open then to our reality. And because his eyes were opened, here's what he did. He put us on notice. He let you know, and he let me know that we need to be on guard. He wrote, your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking anyone he can devour. So listen, what we see from Jesus's experience, what we see from Peter's experience is this, that Satan 
his spiritual army, they are prowling around in your life, seeking to devour the intimacy that you have with your spouse, seeking to devour the trust that you have in your marriage. Satan and his spiritual army, they want to devour the excitement and the engagement and the joy that you once had for your job and being among your coworkers. They are prowling around to devour your mental and your emotional health. They want to devour your children and your grandchildren's future and your entire family tree. For example, with me, there is a certain level of influence that I have at home and thankfully with you guys, that you allow me to be a communicator here at this tribe. And I know that Satan wants to devour whatever little influence I might have with some of you guys. Recently, I was in a heated exchange about a certain matter that I felt very, very passionately about. And I felt enticed to depart from following Jesus in that moment. And I instead, I wanted to be honest with you, wanted to soothe and I wanted to serve myself firing off a fury of straightforward messages to a particular person about how I felt about the situation and that person. And if you've ever allowed yourself to tell somebody off, you know in that moment, there is a rush of adrenaline that happens, right? And it feels really freaking good for a short period of time. You feel proud of yourself. Like, yes, I got this off my chest. However, in the age of screenshots and data backups, my credibility with you guys would have been devoured in a moment's time. And once the emotions had subsided, I knew I would have been wrong and I would have felt guilty. I would have felt ashamed. My peace would have been lost. And so, like with me, like with Peter, like with Jesus, let me ask you guys, is it possible that Satan and his spiritual army are at work in your life, leveraging a certain situation to devour the quality of life Jesus intends for you? Might they be leveraging unresolved bitterness, unresolved anger toward your spouse in order to entice you to soothe and to serve yourself with that social media connection they don't know about or that coworker that gives you a lot of attention? Might Satan and his army be leveraging the loneliness that you feel sometimes and that low sense of self-worth in order for you to soothe and serve yourself with maybe shopping or gambling, any other sort of self-medication, perhaps pornography, maybe even suicidal thoughts. Might they be leveraging a misunderstanding, a miscommunication that you had with a sibling or your child or even a longtime friend to entice you to value being right over being in that relationship? Our spiritual adversaries, they don't want you, they don't want me to follow Jesus in serving others and saving their quality of life. They want us to serve ourselves so that our passion, so that our peace and that of the people around us is lost. And, and so right now, here's what we're going to do. We're going to pause in the middle of this dialogue here in our conversation. And we're going to ask our father to reveal if there's any area in our life where our spiritual adversaries are trying to entice us to depart from following Jesus or to serve ourselves. So would you guys just join me in just a brief moment asking God to reveal what might be going on in the spiritual realm? Father, would you reveal to us any area in our lives where our adversary might be trying to entice us to seek our own self-preservation to serve ourselves? If you have a picture or an idea of what that could be, y'all hold on to that.
And right now, we're going to just recap what we've discussed so far. So Jesus modeled for us how we might experience passion and peace on this earth, in this life, how we save our quality of life. And we save our life that he intended for us when we follow him to seek and save the lost. That is, when we serve others the way he served. But we have spiritual adversaries that are enticing us to instead soothe and serve ourselves. And so the question for us is then, how do we overcome our adversaries' advances to avoid losing that fullness of life that Jesus intends for us? Like that is, when we're enticed to soothe and serve ourselves, how might we save our quality of life? But what Jesus taught us answers why he valued prayer so much. What he taught us is another reason why we should be motivated to never neglect praying as he taught. And so moments just before Jesus would eventually be arrested and handed over to be crucified, he said to his closest disciples, and he says to you, and he says to me, something like this, to avoid your passion and your peace being devoured, To avoid your lives on this earth being lost to our adversary, you must allow our Father to reveal his heart and his truths to you. Jesus said it this way, and it's sort of our big idea for today. And so for those of you who are taking notes, make sure you highlight, underline, circle this next verse. And for all of us, no matter if you're watching digitally, you guys here in the Cameo Theater, if you're listening to the audio, just listen intently. But I want you guys to read with me on the count of three this next verse verse, okay? On the count of three, we're going to read the verse that's on the screen. So one, two, three. Pray that you may not fall into temptation. I want you guys to internalize this statement. Pray that you may not fall into temptation. Let's say it together one more time on the count of three. One, two, three. Pray that you may not fall into temptation. Now I get it. Some of you guys who think like me, you might be wondering, well, okay, but practically, Lee, how? How in the heck would prayer actually save my quality of life? Well, to understand how prayer practically saves our quality of life on this earth, you and I have to understand just how close Jesus, God himself, was to soothing and serving himself. And my friend Lamar's story will help us understand that. So to give you an idea of my friend Lamar's muscle, his might, and his mindset that he has, I want you to know that he played collegiate-level football at the famed Citadel. Okay, Not anybody gets into the Citadel, and not anybody can play football for them. And on top of that, he is a two-time recipient of the U.S. Army's Medal for Heroic Service in a Combat Zone. He's a two-time recipient of the Bronze Medal. So ultimately, what I'm saying to you guys is this. My man's Lamar, my friend. He has got power And he knows how to use it. Well, many years ago, he just happened to be an innocent black student in the vicinity of a street fight. And because he simply looked like he would be a part of the ruckus, an officer put Lamar in a chokehold and lifted him up up off the ground until his feet dangled and drove his wristwatch into Lamar's neck until his body went limp. And when his body went limp, he shoved him down some stairs. And as of course... You guys can understand and imagine this birth in Lamar, this unresolved bitterness and an unresolved anger toward his perpetrator. Well, just a few weeks after that chokehold incident, Lamar was at a grocery store shopping. He wanted to get some donuts, and so he was making his way down aisle three to the back of the store where the bakery was. And lo and behold, who did he see standing in civilian clothes, unprotected and unexpecting? You guessed it. The man who had put him in a chokehold until he went unconscious. But unlike that last encounter, this time was completely different. The athletic and the angry Lamar, he was ready. And he had the upper hand. He was not going to be taken off guard. It was as if Satan had delivered this man to Lamar to entice him to use his power to soothe and serve himself in order to get the justice He felt he deserved. And so gripping tightly a food-filled glass jar, Lamar was also gripped with the temptation to 
bash that jar over this man's head. And can you imagine just the immense agony that Lamar felt in controlling the power that he wielded in that moment? I mean, how much mental, emotional, even physical restraint, physical energy would it have taken to withhold exercising the power that he had? Long story short, my friend Lamar, based on a nudging that he felt, ultimately put down the glass jar. He did the right thing, and he said it was a decision that forever changed the trajectory of his life. But the point is, the immense agony that Lamar experienced in restraining that power that he wielded, this is a picture of the agony that Jesus himself had when he had to restrain his power. You see, when Jesus told his disciples, pray, he was just moments away from being subjected to some severe suffering, and he knew that he would become the personification of all human evil, past, present, and future. And as that personification of evil, he knew that he would experience the extreme punishment, the full fury of God's wrath in order that we would be saved from experiencing it because of the evils we have committed. Jesus knew that he would be stripped naked, that he would be ridiculed and disgraced in front of a mob of people, he knew he'd be brutally beaten, that his blood would be shed, that he'd be nailed to a cross and crucified until he was suffocated, and that his body would be speared in the side. It's why in agony, he essentially cried out, Father, release me of your impending wrath over me. He said it this way, Father, if you are willing, take this fury, take this cup from me. And Sort of like my friend Lamar knew the power that he wielded, Jesus knew that he had been entrusted. We've talked about this all throughout the series, that Jesus had been entrusted with all things, all power, all authority in heaven and on earth. And so Jesus knew that if he so much as even imagined it, if he thought it, if he desired it really to the point where he's making a decision, that he could escape God's full fury, that extreme punishment. And like Lamar was enticed to use that power that he wielded to soothe and serve himself. Well, what Luke recorded for us, it teaches us that Jesus too deliberated with the idea of using his power to save himself, to escape that experience. Jesus was so agonized, not only by God's impending fury that he knew was coming, but he was agonized by the temptation to escape it. And I imagine he trembled and he was sick to his stomach, fighting the urge to abandon his mission to seek and save the lost in order to soothe himself. He was enticed to serve himself. And Jesus so profusely and so densely ended up sweating that some people believe that his temptation that he felt was so great, the restraint that he used, the emotional and physical energy was so great that his capillaries actually ruptured and he sweat literal blood. Luke wrote about it this way. He said, being in anguish, his sweat became like drops of blood falling to the ground. Y'all, do not miss this. Our God, he's not some out of touch with humanity, some unrelatable being. He gets your struggles and my struggles in our desire to self-seek. Jesus, he was literally on the verge of giving into temptation to serve and to save himself. But just like Jesus taught us to do as we've been studying in this series, Jesus prayed. And remember what we've said in this series, that prayer isn't so much about the words that you speak and the actions that you do. Prayer, as Jesus taught, is about allowing our Father to reveal to you his heart for you. Prayer, as Jesus taught, is about being intentional to listen and to receive from our Father in heaven. Well, here's what happened when Jesus allowed our Father to reveal his heart, when Jesus listened and received. It's a lot like that 
epic scene from the most recent Star Wars movie, Rise of the Skywalker, and if you're a fan, like, spoiler alert, all right? Uh, but that's kind of your fault, because it's been out for a few years, so you've had many chances to watch this. But in this scene, all right, so there is this protagonist, her name is Rey, and she's this, like, super normal guardian of truth and justice, referred to as a Jedi. And in this scene, Rey was near defeat against her evil adversary, and so she was on her back and in desperate need of help. And so she cried out to the spirits of deceased fellow guardians of truth and justice, deceased Jedi, and she repeatedly requested their supernatural strengthening. She said, be with me, be with me. And when all hope seemed lost from another realm, An army of Jedi spirits, they began to infuse her with their powers. They affirmed her saying, every Jedi who has ever lived, lives in you. They said, we stand behind you, Rey. They said, Rey, the force will always be with you. And then they charged her, rise. Their otherworldly engagement in her battle It gave Rey the strength that she needed to rise up and open up a can on her enemy. And check this, this idea that another realm would open to reveal that there is an army of supernatural guardians fighting battles with us and fighting battles for us and that they infuse us with their supernatural otherworldly strength. This is what you and I can expect when we pray like Jesus taught. You see, what Luke recorded for us in the original language, it paints a picture that when Jesus prayed, the heavens effectively opened, the heavenly realm opened to reveal that God's angelic army had all along been fighting against the adversary with Jesus for Jesus. He had never been alone in his struggle and God even assigned to Jesus an angel to aid him. And Luke doesn't tell us exactly what this angel did to aid Jesus. I don't know what he might have said. I don't know what practically actions this angel took. But maybe he didn't need to do anything at all. Maybe this angel's presence was more than enough. Because sometimes, and I'm sure you guys would agree with me, sometimes it's just knowing that we're not alone in our fight that can propel us to prevail. I write about that. Here's what Luke recorded. He said, an angel from heaven appeared to Jesus, appeared to him, strengthening him. And so Jesus taught his disciples and he taught you and he taught me to pray so that God, our father, our good father can strengthen us. And when we pray like Jesus taught God, our father, he will send supernatural help to save us from destroying our quality of life. Now, does God always send us angels? I don't know. But if he sent a personal angel to prop up Jesus and to propel him forward, I don't see why he wouldn't do that with you and why he wouldn't do that with me. But even if God didn't do that, you and I have something even greater than a personal angel. You see, when we declare that Jesus is the God of our lives, he pours out onto us and he pours into us his very spirit. And so God, by his spirit, and perhaps, yes, even via angelic messengers, he will strengthen you and he will strengthen me in order that we would prevail in our mission. Even when in this physical realm, it seems like we are all alone in our struggles. Like he reminded Jesus. God, our Father, will remind you that all of heaven's army is behind you, fighting with you, fighting for you, always has been, always will be. You are not alone. You will not be forsaken. And even if you fail, which we all will, we all do, he will still be there to prop you up and to propel you forward when you allow him. God, by his spirit, will help you in your mission to seek and save the lost. This is why Jesus was motivated to pray. This is why he valued it so greatly. This is why he taught you and why he taught me to pray that we would not be enticed to save ourselves. But not just that. 
See, in the same way that our spiritual adversaries will leverage situations so that we lose the quality of life God intends for us, well, God, our Father, leverages those very situations. It's almost like two sides of the same coin in order to make us more like him, to save our passion, to save our peace, to save our promise in this life. You see, when Jesus allowed God, our Father, to strengthen him, when he prayed, God used that as an opportunity to remind Jesus of humanity's self-destructive tendencies, our human condition. See, Jesus' desire to avoid God's fury was a reminder for him that if he ended up soothing and serving himself, if he saved himself, well, then we all would be destined to experience that same thing that he wanted to avoid. And so when Jesus When he allowed God to reveal to him his heavenly truths, God intensified Jesus's conviction to save you and to save me, all of humanity from being lost in this life and for all of eternity. Because Jesus chose to pray, God then intensified and cultivated his compassion and mercy for us. In fact, in another portion of the scriptures that many modern scholars attribute to Luke as one of the authors, or at least a contributor, we learn this, that Jesus, he had to be like you, and he had to be like me, his brothers and sisters, in every way. Why? So that he could become a merciful and a faithful high priest in the matters pertaining to to God. Have you ever wondered why the stories of God relating to people in the Old Testament are very different than how God might relate to us now? It was a bit more angry, it appears, and a bit more violent and so forth. Well, it's because Jesus came to earth, he visited us, and he suffered. And so the author of Hebrews went on to say, for since he, Jesus himself, has suffered when he was tempted, well, he's able to help those who are tempted. And so, practically speaking, the other reason that prayer helps you and helps me is because our Father will evolve our enticements into empathy. When we pray, he'll adjust the anger and the bitterness that we bear, and it'll become affection for others who wrestle with the same bitterness and anger. When we pray, God will transform our trauma and create in us a compassion for other victims of violence like he did with my friend Lamar. Our Father will leverage our lust and all of our addictions so that we want to help people escape the very matters that have ensnared us for so long. See, allowing God to reveal to us his truths and his heart for us, praying helps us see the shared human condition, and it'll help us see that we are all jacked up and we are all in need of saving. And when we see others' severe suffering, we are made more merciful to live out our mission. We will see how necessary it is for us to rise. We're more convicted to seek and save the lost. This is partly how prayer helps us save the quality of our lives in this world. This is why we should be motivated to never neglect what Jesus taught us about praying. And this is why Jesus repeated himself. And what do I always say? When God repeats himself, we'd better pay attention, right? Jesus again taught us. He said, pray so that you won't fall into temptation. If God, in human form, Jesus himself needed prayer in order to stay on mission to seek and save the lost, well, then so do I, and so do you. We cannot experience the quality of life that has been intended for us if we don't pray. And so let me remind you what we've learned from Jesus about prayer in this series. You and I, we can be motivated to pray because our good father, he wants to reveal to us his heart for us. He wants to give us, give you a life that you could have never even imagined for yourself. You can be motivated to pray and be enthusiastic about it like Jesus was because listening to our father, as we heard last week, it leads to his spirit bearing fruit in our lives. And you can be motivated to pray because our father and his heavenly army will strengthen you. They will remind you, you have never been alone in your fight. You will never be alone in your fight. And he will build in you a compassion to live out your mission in order for us 
to seek and save the lost in order to save the quality of life he intends for us. So I am pleading with you all. If you don't yet dedicate time for our father to reveal his heart and his truths for you, if listening for his voice is not part of your regular rhythm and routine, if you just do all the talking, you're jabbing all the time, maybe you do the sign of the cross, you perform certain rituals, you light candles, but you never pause to just receive. If you feel like your life is being devoured, that your passion and that your peace and your power to make a difference in this world is lost, then right now, I want you to decide. Make this mental declaration to yourself that you will allow God the opportunity to reveal to you his truths and his heart. You will make listening for his voice the utmost priority in your life. Prayer has to be first and foremost everything that you do. And so decide that you will pay attention with intention, in silence more. I'm not saying you can't talk anymore, but you've got to be able to listen so that you are strengthened. And you can borrow some ideas from me. I've told you before, I have a little one at home, and so it's really hard to be able to get that quality time to listen for God. And so it's usually the very first thing that I do in the morning or sometimes. You know, I want you guys to consider yourselves in the shower. Don't think about me in the shower or anything like that, but that's the only time I get to just be in God's presence when we're in, I'm in the shower. And so maybe that's an idea for you or when you're at work on your break, you're having a rough day, go find a restroom stall. I know that might seem weird to you guys, but go ahead and sit in there and cry and just listen for our father sit in your car. Whatever you do, I want you to commit to listening for our father. Take a quarterly praycation, take an annual praycation where you go into the woods, into a cabin and you just rest in God's presence to receive. Maybe join our prayer talk tribe on Tuesday nights where you can learn a little bit more about prayer and be prayed with and attend our prayer 101 fireside conversations that we're going to offer here regularly. But whatever you do, commit to pray like God himself, Jesus taught, so that you save the quality of life that he intends for you. Because if you don't, as we've seen, our adversary will eventually devour you. Your peace and your passion will be lost. We saw that with Peter. So remember earlier, I mentioned how Peter had for a short time departed from following Jesus to soothe and serve himself. Well, Luke revealed that the reason, part of the reason was because Peter didn't follow Jesus's instruction to pray when he told him to pray. He actually fell asleep. And so for a time, Peter's credibility to ever be taken seriously and his confidence was just shot. He was despondent. He was depressed. But ultimately, he returned to following Jesus and God allowed him to be strengthened. He allowed God to strengthen him. And so when you pray like Peter eventually did, like Jesus taught, I am convinced you will experience what Peter experienced. You know, some years after he was devoured by Satan, Peter wrote about how allowing God to reveal to him his heart and his truths had changed him and cultivated compassion. He wrote this. He said, the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your fellow believers throughout the world. He had a mercy. His eyes had been opened to our shared human condition. He went on to say, but our heavenly father, our good father, the God of all grace, he will himself restore establish, strengthen, and support you after you've suffered a little while. Peter discovered what Jesus knew, that our Father will strengthen you when you allow him. And when you allow God to reveal to you his strength, when you pray like Jesus taught, you will experience what our prayer team leader, Linda Prendez, experienced. Listen to Linda's story. I'm a single mom, and uh, a couple years after I sent my son away to college in Austin, I was in uh, my prayer room at home. I was just uh, having some quiet time, and I was down on my knees, and I, I heard the Lord ask me a question, and the question was, can you love a drug dealer? 
I wondered, why are you asking me this? Like, did I hear right? And it was uh, a question that I, I wrestled with and I talked to the Lord about um, for, for weeks, probably months, until it became clear that um, He was preparing me for what my son was going to go through. So for the next year, <laughs> um, you know, it was apparent, but I kept on seeing my son, like, just getting deeper and deeper. And even though I didn't know the particular details of what was going on, I could feel it. I mean, as a mother, you have intuition, right? And you um, were connected to our children um, in such a way that when something's wrong, we know it. And I just told him, Mijo, like, I know what you're doing to, to make money. and and you have to stop. And he told me, I know. Somehow he knew too that I knew. So uh, over the course of these two years, I'm just praying, you know, daily. I just kept on hearing the Lord saying, love him through it. I got uh, a call in the middle of the night and um, I, I heard the message and it was a phone call from jail. I was at once scared. I was also, um, encouraged because I knew that the Lord was moving on his behalf and was answering my prayers. And I also became like strengthened to pray, to pray warfare prayers. And so uh, night after night, I, I prayed. Um, I didn't bail him out. And um, that was uh, probably one of the hardest things that I've ever been through in my life. Every day that I could, I drove the four hours to go see him where he was, um, where he was incarcerated. I was actually looking um, in my prayer journal and looking at all the prayers from the day that he was arrested to the day that he got out. Day by day, you see how my prayers progress from feeling like um, worried and scared and releasing it to the Lord to becoming more confident and um, more thankful and the Lord revealing to me, like, I, my hand is in this. Like, my hand is in this, like, trust me. I think sometimes we have the propensity to, um, to blame ourselves. I know I wrestled with that a lot. And so just, it strengthened me to stand in agreement with everything that I knew from the Word, um, that the Lord would never leave him or forsake him or abandon him, that the Lord chose me to be his mom. So even, like the Lord already knew that I would fail him in certain ways, but he still chose me and still trusted me um, to, to raise him. One of the um, most awesome things that happened through the whole process is that when he was released from jail, that weekend uh, we brought him to church and uh, they were doing baptisms. I was standing there and I was like, Lord, I'm not gonna try to like give him a nudge. I'm not gonna, you know, like say, hey, hey, you should do this. I'm not gonna control the situation. I was just there worshiping and saying, Lord, your will be done, your will be done. And at the corner of my, my eye, I saw him coming down the aisle and um, just, it was so much joy. I could not contain myself. Um, if you were there that day, you heard me like screaming at the top of my lungs and it wasn't like <laughs> um, something that I, I was like manufacturing, you know, it, it was just pouring out and, and I just said, I'm not going to try to quench this. I'm just going to, I'm just going to rejoice. Your prayers are powerful, no matter how weak that you think they are. Even if they're not vocalized, um, but we have um, a good and merciful Father who loves um, to love us, <laughs> and we can trust Him with our children. And so sometimes we might not understand it, uh, but we can trust Him. Our Heavenly Father is a good Father, and a merciful Father, and He is mighty to save. And so as we bring to a close our, our time today, our gathering today, here's what I want us to do. And for those of you who are still with us digitally, stay with the broadcast and participate with us here. 
I want us to just practice a little bit about what we talked about today. And let's just invite God to strengthen us that we might be able to go and continue our mission to seek and save the lost. And so one of the things that I said in part two of this series is that one of the symbolic ways to look at prayer is like a little child that raises his or her hands and said, carry me, dad. And so if you feel comfortable wherever you are, just raise your hand symbolically as if to say, Father, carry me through these struggles. Pick me up. And I'm going to pray for us right now, inviting God to reveal to us his heart for us. Father, would you carry us? Father, would you strengthen us? But earlier, you gave some of us a picture of the ways the enemy is enticing us to soothe and serve ourselves. Would you give us the strength to overcome that? some of us here, we just need to know that we're not alone in our struggle. Would you open up the heavenly realms and just reveal that your army is behind us, with us, always has been, always will be. Make the presence of your spirit within us known. us experience the fullness of the life that you designed for us. I pray that everything that we discussed over these last couple of weeks about prayer would be deeply rooted into the hearts of minds of everybody who engaged so that we would be a tribe that prays and listens for you. So we are fruitful. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. And everyone who agreed said, Amen. Brothers and sisters, next week, our lead pastor, Doug Robbins, will be back with us to kick off a new series of teachings. So we hope you'll be back with us to join us. Those of you who are still with the broadcast digitally, y'all hang tight. I'm going to speak a blessing over us all, a benediction. But for those of you here in the Cameo Theater, y'all know the drill. In order to keep everybody safe, wait till you're escorted out by one of our ushers. And now, brothers and sisters, may you, like Jesus taught us, Pray that you not fall into temptation so that you might continue to seek and save the lost and experience the quality of life God has for us, that he might restore you, that he might establish you, strengthen you, and support you. God bless you all. I love you all. Enjoy the rest of your week. We're glad you were part of the tribe today. To further connect with us, check citytribe.church.